Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So tonight, guys, I want to talk to you about prosperity. Now, before we jump into the text, I kind of figured I need to give you some information, some background. So I went to the computer and I looked up, I went to, I went to the dictionary, I said, what, is, what does prosperity mean? Now, here's, here's Webster's definition of prosperity. Okay? It's the condition of being successful or thriving. The condition of being successful or thriving. And then it, and then it has a hashtag and it says, especially economic well-being. So, so even Webster looks at prosperity and says, okay, it's about money. It's about finances. It's about material. It's about, this is what he says. But really the beginning of the definition says it's the condition of being successful or thriving. Oh, okay, but it's about money. Now, I thought we got to chat for just a bit, right? Because it took me back to the days when I hear prosperity. It took me back to the days growing up. I remember getting saved at 17. I remember, you know, there was just a bunch of, there was a slew of TV preachers on on TV. And I remember seeing that. And I remember looking and flipping through. And there were all kinds of these TV preachers. And they would often talk, right? They, they, they would talk about what they called the prosperity movement. There was a movement going on. And it was the prosperity movement. It was the it was the prosperity. And, and, and many pastors preached what they called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity, you know, we want, we want you to be proud of the prosperity gospel. And, and, and at first, you know what? At foremost, anytime you put a word in front of gospel, guys, you pollute the true meaning. So if you're going to say, well, this is da-da-da gospel, so they, they're talking about prosperity. And so it, it sort of polluted really what the good news is. Because the gospel we know is Jesus Christ, guys, God's only son came down from heaven Right? He came down, he walked on this earth for 33 years, he died on the cross to reconcile us back to him. I don't need anything in front of that. That was enough. And so, so for them to come and go, well, we have a, we have a health gospel, we have a prosperity gospel, we have a whatever it might be, it, it really pollutes the, the true definition of the meaning. Well, again, I'm just thinking about this and I remember growing up and, and many Many of the pastors, as you're scrolling through, and you guys know this, many of them would, would talk about God wanting to prosper you, right? You, you, you want to be rich. They wanted you to do well. They, they would talk about the health and wealth, right? They wanted you to be healthy, wealthy, wise. I mean, name it and claim it, all of this stuff. And I got to be honest with you, it was really quite confusing. It was a confusing message. And you go, well, Ben, how was it? Well, the problem was is that the Bible Okay, you go to the Bible and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're, they're preaching this, but the Bible shows a little bit different. You go, but what do you mean? Well, everywhere I read Jesus, right, God's own son, wherever I read about Jesus, nowhere in the Bible did it say Jesus was a wealthy man. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests, and here's what he says, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is what Jesus, Jesus is like, look, even a, bo- a fox has a place to live, and birds, they have nests, but I don't have a home. But those TV preachers were preaching, and they were preaching that they wanted, and so I'm, you know, as a, as a young 18, 19 year old trying to navigate my way through Christianity, it, it freaked me out. I was like, wait a minute, I, I, I see a disconnect here. 
And then I saw, as I was growing up, I saw that this message confused a lot of people. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be rich. And the problem was, is it confuses people because the message from the TV was, God wants you to be rich, when in reality, people were struggling to make ends meet. Oh, I can't believe this. Oh, man. Well, God wants me to be rich, but we can't even pay the rent this week. Well, what about food? And and what happens, guys, is the church of Jesus Christ felt like such a failure. Because the message was, God wants you to be what? God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to be healthy. And the church felt like a failure, and I'll tell you why. Because what happens when you're struggling to make ends meet? Or if the message is God wants you healthy, what happens when you get cancer? What happens when your wife gets sick or your husband gets sick, and and it's so confusing? And as I was putting the message together, here's what kept going through my mind. The one thing that kept coming to my mind, guys, is God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. And, and let, me just, let me just take you back just a minute, guys. I, I, I want to make sure that I lay a good foundation because I want to give you a biblical example of prosperity and faith. Because here's the, here's the message I got when I was young. Here's the message I got from these TV preachers. Man, God wants you rich. God wants you healthy. God wants you wealthy. God wants you wise, right? And then when you struggled, the result was, well, you don't have enough faith, I don't have enough faith. I mean, I thought, how do I muster more faith? And so, and so we'd step out. But, but let me give you a biblical, let me give you a biblical example, okay? I want you to hold your finger here, guys, and I want you to go over to Hebrews 11 with me, okay? And why do you want me to go over there? Why don't you just preach it? Here's why. I want you to go to Hebrews 11, okay? If you don't know where Hebrews is, it's right before James. James is easy to find, way in the back. Take your Bible in half, then, then go almost to the back. You'll hit James, then come one back, one book uh, again here, one book back, and then you'll be in Hebrews. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but some people think it was Paul. Others, we just don't know. There's not an author in the book of Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. Okay, it's known as the faith chapter. Now, while you're turning to Hebrews 11, uh, here's the thing, okay? I am going to give you an example, okay? I believe that God wants us to prosper in this life. You go, okay. But not the way the TV evangelists, not the way the TV pastors say. Prosperity, we learned, is successful and thriving, And this has to do with every aspect of life. Okay? So let me give you a biblical example. It starts off in verse 1. Look at Hebrews 1. The writer of Hebrews says, now faith, okay? Because they're not, they're telling me that I don't have enough faith. They're they're, they're saying you gotta have faith. Right? George Michael, you gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. Well, here's what it says. The Hebrew, right, says in Hebrews, the faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And we go, amen, because we all know what faith is. We all go, yeah, 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 I get it, Ben. It's the substance of things. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping and I can't see it, but I know my God, that's faith. Can I get an amen? Because you gotta have faith. Okay, you got to have faith. That's where you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, we see Jesus throughout the body of Christ. We see Jesus in every, every Christian, but I have not seen the physical risen Lord at all. So I'm trusting. 
for my salvation, I got to have faith. And see, the problem is, is that we have faith every day, don't we? We use faith every single day and we don't even realize it. Why? Because you all came in here and you all had faith that these chairs were going to hold you. Not one of us looked and said, I don't know. I don't know. We all came in and we sat down. We have faith that the chairs worked. They had four legs and they were going to hold us. We had faith. You had faith getting in your car to drive here. Not one of us went, oh, I don't know. We got in the car. We said, okay, let's go. And we, and we had faith. You, you understand. And so we understand that faith, biblical faith is this. It's, it's the substance of things hoped for. Okay, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It's the evidence of things not seen, I believe. Now, jump down to verse 6. Hebrews eleven six tells me this. Ben, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? So, Right off the bat, I'm kind of convicted because I'm like, well, without faith, I can't please God. Okay, well, that's it. What are we going to have faith for? We're going to have faith. And we can have faith for, we can believe for all kinds of things, but we must realize that it needs to line up with God's word. Because if it doesn't line up with God's word, that's when I get discouraged. Well, you know what, brother? I'm going to have faith that, and, and, and just, just put it out there. I'm going to have faith that. I know that there, I heard the story growing up from a pastor. He said, man, this guy had so much faith that he said, I don't need to wear glasses anymore. I'm just, God's going to heal me. I have faith. I have faith. Next thing you know, he can't see anything and he's, and he's reading the bullet, bulletin board this close because he can't see. Do you have faith? Well, I don't know. Right? And so we have, and, and so again, it says without faith, but well, what's he talking about? He says, well, here's the thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so I have faith. I believe God and I'm coming to God. Now, what the author does in chapter 11, guys, is he gives us some examples of faith. I'm going to go through them, right? So keep going. Jump over to verse 17. Now, I picked the scriptures that we're familiar with as we walk through Genesis, but verse 17 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promise offered up his only begotten son. So we walked with Abraham through this. We walked with Abraham up Mount Moriah. We walked where Abraham's like, listen, he took the knife out, man. He was ready to kill his only son, the son of promise. That's faith. Now he tells the dudes behind him, listen, you stay here. The lad and I are going to go up yonder and we'll come back to you. That's faith. That's faith. Think of your son. Think of your kids. You want to take them up? Oh, Lord, I think I heard you wrong. Listen, I got faith and I believe who you are. But Abraham, by faith, this is by faith. That's faith. Abraham had faith, did he not? Then it goes down, look at verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. We were there, right? And Esau concerning the things to come. Oh, but, but Jacob stole the blessing. But Isaac went ahead by faith, thinking it was Esau, to bless him. It was by faith. I'm going to take care of that. Then, look at verse 29, guys. Keep going with me. 
It says, by faith, speaking of the children of Israel, they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Guys, this is, this just blows my mind. Why? Because the children of Israel were at, they were, man, they had no retreat. There's the water in front of them. They're doomed. By all worldly accounts, they're doomed. And God opens up the Red Sea. And many people go, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But it's by faith, right? Listen, I've got a lot of faith, and if God opened the Red Sea, how many of us would think it's going to close in on us? Listen, I can walk. Listen, if they part the waters and I can walk to where Joe is, I'm pretty good because I can probably swim the rest. But we're talking a sea. We're talking a huge body of water, and it's dry land. How did God do that? I don't know, but the Bible says, listen, that by faith... They passed through the Red Sea. And the Egyptians didn't have that faith, did they? Because they came in, and now they drowned. They drowned. Oftentimes, guys, God in our life does not work the way we think he needs that he should work. Because, see, listen, if I was going to defeat an Egyptian army, man, I would, I would have raised up an army in Israel. I would have had him in the land of Goshen. I would have said, man, I've got some fierce warriors. And they would have went to battle, and they would have wiped. God doesn't do that, right? Because God can wipe out people with mosquitoes. He can drown an Egyptian army who followed Israel, but they weren't supposed to follow them. And so it's by faith. Even today, guys, we've had some divers go down into the Red Sea, and they're looking for fossilized... I mean, you, you can't tell what they are, but if you'll YouTube it, you can see they're round and they're circular, what could have been a chariot wheel. It's all fossilized now, but it's there. We believe it. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Got to have faith, because I got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Look at verse 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they encircled for seven days, right? Wow. Can you imagine? They come into the promised land. What are we going to do? Okay, everybody gather around. Okay, what are we going to do? What's our strategy? We're going to walk around. We're going to what? We're just going to walk around the wall. Can you imagine? And here's the crazy part. They put the worship leader in front. All right, you lead worship. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I mean, they put the worship leader in front. And then he said, when it's time to shout, shout. And the walls came tumbling down. This is by faith, by faith. Do you believe that? I believe it. Why? Because I believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, I believe he can easily, right? Just walls go down. We're over here going, wow, did you see the walls? And God's like, what? I sneezed. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He says, by faith, guys, think about this. The harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when they had received the spies with peace. I mean, think about it, guys. She was a harlot. And she said, one thing, just, just save me and my family. By faith. You got you got to grasp this, right? Now, here's what here's what's going on, right? All of these guys, we could say, prospered in one way or another, right? They were successful, right? Because I'm thinking, listen, if you're coming to kill me and I live, I prospered. 
By faith, I said, listen, please save me. I got saved. My whole family got saved. Scarlet rope, boom, done. I prospered, right? And so all of these guys, so, so we say to them, we give them a big amen. But here's our problem. Our problem is that men build a doctrine on these men and women to seek prosperity in this life. You see, they took the other part of the definition of prosperity and say, well, see, it's, for, it's so that you can be rich. It's so you can be wealthy. It's so you can be well off. Is you have everything you ever wanted. You have the big house, the big mansion, all that. And they build a doctrine in that. But, but the problem is, is that they don't read the rest of the story. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, guys, listen, I just gave you just, and you're just like, yeah, I have faith, I have faith. But let's read the rest of the story. Look at verse 32 in Hebrews. It says, and what more shall I say, the writer writes, for the time would fail me to tell you about Gideon. You guys know that. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets. Well, what happened to them, Pastor? Well, those, I mean, through, through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness, they attained promises, and they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness. They were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to fight the armies of the aliens. They did great. Would you agree they had faith? Would you agree they were prosperous? Would you agree? Amen, right? Yeah. Shut the, I mean, I think, think about this, guys. Think about Daniel in the lion's den. Think about this, right? This is crazy. This is crazy. Because the Bible says that, that it was almost like an open pit. And when they opened down and Daniel was thrown in, more times than not, the lion would jump up. They're so hungry. It was feeding time. And Daniel jumps in. The lions kind of look at him. Not interested in a Daniel fast right now. We're just gonna we're gonna hang out. And and he spends the night. Guys, listen, you and I, we look at Daniel and we think, man, super saint. And super Daniel, wow. But he was human just like us. And I'm telling you, he was probably scared. He was probably shaking. And I don't think as they opened the mouth of that lion's den, he went. I've got to have faith. I've got to just, i got to believe. He just believed. He knew God. I like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember what he said? They were throwing them into the, what, into the fiery furnace. But here's what they said. God, listen, we're not going to bow to your idol. And even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. Turn it seven times hotter. The Bible says they didn't even come out smelling like smoke. But I know they were scared. So we can, we can agree, okay? We can agree. These, these, these are great. These are, man, faith. You got to have faith. See, see, in order for you to be rich and for you to prosper, in order to have wealth and for you to have this and, 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 and strike down aliens and close mouth, you got to have faith. But see, they don't read the rest of the chapter. Notice what it says. It says in verse 35, women, this is what, women receive their, their, their dead raised to life again. Boy, that's prosperous. The problem is, is look at the next line. It says, others were tortured. What? Not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. Wait, 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 wait Pastor, you're, saying, you're giving me a whole list of people who raw rod, but then you said others didn't, didn't accept deliverance. 
Look at verse 36. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings. And yes, chains of imprisonment. What? They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about, listen to this, in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Whom the, whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens of caves on earth. And all these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Hold the phone. What did you just say? I said, the Bible just said that they had a, an abundance of faith, and yet they weren't saved like that. Some are tortured. Some are beaten. Some are left for dead. Some are wandered around. And some are sawn in two. So we got to be careful when we, when we use faith. We got to be careful. We go, man, you got to have faith to do this. You got you to prosper. There's, there's gotta, you, you gotta, because again, think about this, right? It didn't end well for a lot of them. It didn't end well. See, they put their trust in God. And still ended up being tortured and killed. And what was the reason? Guys, here is the reason for a better resurrection. For a better resurrection. Let me give you another example real quick. Another example. You guys know this. John the baptizer. Right? We all like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was amazing. Right? Jesus calls John the Baptist, guys, one of the greatest prophets or the greatest prophets who ever lived. John the Baptist. And, and listen, let's be honest. John the Baptist had a lot of faith, right? Number one, he had a lot of faith to dress in camels, right? Camel skin. Number two, to eat bugs. Now, the bugs were good, right? They had a lot of protein. That's okay. But, but think about it. Let's, let's be honest. John had a lot of faith, did he not? John had so much faith that when he was in his mother's womb, the Bible says that when Jesus came with Mary, he leaped in the belly. He was excited. Wow, the Messiah. How does this happen? And so I think when it comes to faith, I think, guys, if we were to compare our faith with John, would you say that we're up with John's faith? Or do you think we're sort of C team? You know what I mean? We're the C team, never going to play on the field. John is like varsity, and we're like, oh... Maybe I hope I get to dress out someday. That'd be good. That'd be good. Because again, think about it. He, this was John. But see, John, guys, prosperity for John was that he witnessed the Son of God. He witnessed God in the flesh. He baptized. He touched him. Oh. <gasps> And I think about this, right? Think about this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, look at, there he is. There he is. That's God in the flesh. There he is. Was John prosperous? John was prosperous, man. He got to touch the Savior. The problem is that it didn't end well for John, did it? You see, John didn't end up living a long life living a prosperous life with a three-chariot garage in a huge house by the Mediterranean Sea. That's not where John ended up. John was beheaded for his faith. 
but he had faith. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. I believe God wants us as believers to prosper. Right? But we need to prosper in a godly way. We need to prosper the way God. What do you mean, Ben? What do you mean? Listen, here's the thing. If God wants you rich, and I say amen. You see, our problem is that we go and go, well, why are they rich? Well, why do they get to? I'm a better Christian than them. I pray three times. Now, listen, if God wants you rich, here's what I say. Amen. But use your money to help others. The problem is, is that we get rich and we hoard it. We all got to have it for a rainy day. It hasn't rained a day in Texas yet. Have them save it for a rainy day. Got to save it. God says, no, no, take your money, man, and just and, and, and further the kingdom. Use your resources. Here's why. Listen to me. It takes people and it takes money resources to get out, to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Oh, no, he can do it supernaturally, but he uses us. I heard a pastor say today that people will, when it comes to giving, he says, hey, listen, listen. I'll give, I'll give when, when I can afford it. I'll give when I have it. He says, listen, whether you, you're going to give the same amount whether you have a million dollars or you have a hundred dollars. That's, it's a heart issue. He says, you need to give. You need to give. It's a heart issue. So we can't say, well, if I have more, then I'll give more. Give now, right? That's what he's saying. Use your money to help others. What if God wants me healthy? I believe God wants you healthy. I pray for my wife. God made her healthy. But now that she's healthy, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Then we need to go out. Listen, we need to go out and be a light in a dark world. Okay, so listen. He didn't call you as Christians to sit on the bench. He didn't save you to sit on the bench. All right, maybe you'll get to play sometime. Let me just put in my starters. We're all starters. He called you to go out. He called you to go out. We saw, it was funny, the news the other day, I don't know if you saw this, but there was an 84-year-old woman who, who still lifts weights at the gym, okay? And she's, she, man, 80, 80 or 90, she lifts, and they did an interview, why? Because somebody broke into her house. Then somebody broke into her house, not in Lubbock, but somebody broke into her house. You know what she did? She beat the guy up. She just beat him, I mean, literally. I guess she was like, she had lifted, I mean, she, she could lift some weights, and I mean, we're just looking at this, and, and she said, oh yeah, he came in, and I was just beating him up, and then I had to call the police and say, he's bleeding on my floor, and we're just like, I was, we were freaked out, why? Well, again, because listen, God, he wants us healthy, but he wants us to be healthy, to go out, because there's a lot of people, guys, that are not healthy. Listen, if God gives you a great job, then I say amen. Amen. And and let's just even take it one notch below. Okay, here's the thing. By world standards, by world standards, okay? Let's just encompass the whole world. By world standards, if you ate today one meal, you were considered rich. Because we like to say, well, I'm not rich. No, no, no. By world standards, if you ate today, you are considered rich. They're looking at you going, wow, you, you had a meal every day? Well, I had three of them. You had three of them? What are you, stinking rich? So, so again, we understand that, right? We understand that. But now as we end up, remember, we're going to talk about true prosperity. So what do we live off? Well, real quickly, guys, 
Back in Genesis chapter 30, the beginning of chapter 30, we saw that there was a family feud with Leah and Rachel. Which one, right? You guys remember, which one's going to give me more children, right? These two sisters were fighting, right, for the affection of Jacob. Oh, do you remember what Rachel said? Give me children or else I die. And he's like, I'm not God. How could I do this? So she, she, she wasn't walking with God and they were fighting. Well, then go sleep. Go marry my maidservant, Bilhah. Well, go marry my... And, and so Leah and, 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 and again, I mean, think about it, guys. Leah and Rachel and Bilhah and Zippel. I mean, they're just... It's just a big family feud. And Jacob's in the middle coming home going, what are you guys doing? Well, listen, he had some mandrakes, so you get to sleep with me tonight. Oh, really? You sold me for some mandrakes. Okay. It was just a, it was just a mess. It was a mess, and that's kind of where we left off two weeks ago. But what we realized, guys, is that, that Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. And we, we dissected this because what we thought were just 12 names in the 12 tribes, actually what? It actually spelled out the gospel. The gospel was revealed through it, and how amazing God did this. Why? Because when, when the firstborn was named Reuben, she said, behold, a son is born to us. And then she had a son named Simeon, and it was one who hears, and Levi was, was attached, and Judah was praised the Lord, and Dan was, he is judged, and Naphtali was my struggle, and Gad was good fortune, and Asher was happiness, and Issachar was reward, and to my family, and of course, you had Joseph and Benjamin, the son of righteousness. And here's what, it, here's what it came out to say. You ready? Behold, a son is born to us on who hears us, or who he- one who hears us, who is attached to us. Praise the Lord. He judged our struggle and brought us good fortune, happiness, reward, honor. He added to us his family and called us sons of righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's where we left off two weeks ago. Well, tonight, guys, we'll continue with our story. Of course, the scene changes. Who to? Laban and Jacob, okay? Laban and Jacob. This is where, right, two con artists are going at each other. Two, this, this is, but, see, but see, Jacob's changing a little bit. He, he had an encounter with God. If you remember on his way to Bethel, he, he saw the ladder. He saw God. He's starting to change. God is working on him. Laban, not so much. And we'll tell by the story, right? So Jacob comes and he says, man, it's time for me to go back. I need to go back to Canaan. I need to go back to the promised land. And of course, Laban's like, I don't want you to go, right? And Laban's going to give him what we call a selfish reason in verse 27. I'm not going to go there yet, but um, what we go through our text, we're going to see what, what that means. Well, Jacob is going to prosper him or God's going to prosper him. And although some scholars think it was crazy superstition, you need to know that God was directing Right, his hand to make Jacob prosperous to increase his flocks. You need to understand that, okay? So we're going to pick up our story in verse 23 because we learned something. Um, we learned something about Leah. We learned that when, after, after the fourth son, she's like, okay, I don't, need, I don't need to find my worth in my husband, Jacob. I'm going to name my kid, praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm not going to say, man, he, he needs to love me now. I'm going to look to Jesus, Amen. But we learned something about Leah. We, I mean, we learned something about Rachel. You go, what's that? Look at verse 23 with me real quick, okay? I want you to note this. We see that Rachel seems to grow spiritually during this time as well. Look at verse 23. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Remember, Rachel couldn't have kids, right? She couldn't have kids. God's holding that. 
Okay, but then she has one, and she says, God has taken away my approach. Verse 24. So she called his name Joseph and said, quote, the Lord shall add to me another son. You go, Ben, how is she growing? Well, if you have a pencil handy, you're not afraid to write in your Bible. Notice she, she acknowledges God not once but twice. You go, how so? She says, God, which is Elohim. Elohim, this is God. And then, he, and then she says, so she named him Joseph, and then she said, the Lord, which is Yahweh. Elohim is, you are God, but Yahweh is a personal God. He's God. So Rachel's growing. Rachel, Rachel wasn't going, well, finally, it's about time, Jacob. Man. No, no, no. God, you saw my heart. The Lord The Lord added to me another son, another son. So, tonight, guys, I want to give you four principles for prosperity, godly prosperity. If you're taking note, here's the first one. Ready? Don't make becoming wealthy your God. That's the first one. Don't make becoming wealthy your God. When I got into business early on in my career, my goal was to be a millionaire by 28. I was making becoming wealthy a God. Whatever it took, this is what I was going to do. Godly prosperity says don't do that. Notice, picking it up in verse 25, it says, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, notice what he's saying, that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you. Let me go, for you know my service, my service which I have done for you. So you go, Ben, I don't, I don't see that. No, 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 look, look. Jacob wants to go back to the promised land, okay? He is not interested in staying in this with Laban. He's not interested in staying with Laban and becoming rich. He's not interested in becoming wealthy or making that his God, because obviously, he's ready to go home. Here it is. You ready? Jot this down. His priority is his family. That's his priority. On this end, behind door number one, you have money. You have prosperity. You have all that you want. You have vacation. You have trips. You have everything. But over here, he's going, but now you have family. What's going to be your priority? And Jacob says, man, I, I, I want to just be with my family. Give me my wives, man. Give me my kids. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You go, Ben, how does this apply to me? Here it is. You ready? We must never make wealth or work our God. You go, well, what, what's your, okay, you ready? Let me, I'm going to give you some free advice. You ready? This is given to me. If you want to be rich, okay, I'm going to give you the formula. This is it. If you want to be rich, you ready? Spend less than you make and save the rest. If you want to be, I was told that, if you want to be rich, if this is what you make, spend less and save the rest. Eventually, you'll have a lot of money. Our problem, our problem is that we spend more than we make. And if we can't, and if we can't afford it, what do we do? There's something called credit. I got credit. They give me this little plastic card. You know what this does? It's amazing. Why? I just give it to them and they give me the stuff for free. No, you have to pay for that. Well, I don't have to pay for it right now. 
And, and remember, and it's pulled Americans, it's pulled Christians into debt. And here's, here's the idea behind debt. Here's the idea, guys, is that we're so in debt, we're, we're not free to go do what God wants us to do. So we have to be, we have to be careful. We have, we, we have to be careful. Why? Because, again, we need to spend less more than you make, right? Why? Here's why. True riches lie in those that we love. Spending, listen, spending time with them. Spending time with them. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Guys, capturing every moment. Capturing every moment. That, that's, that's, this, is, this is what we need to do, right? Capturing every moment. You go, Pastor, uh, I, I really like spending time with my wife, but we can't afford a date. You can afford a date, right? You can afford a date completely free. Go to Costco. Hit all the samples. Boom, there's your date. Hey, baby, well, it's just aisle eight. Let's go. We just think that it has to be. Well, anyway, here's my point. You ready? You ready? I want you to do a quick inventory, okay? And, and I love you guys enough. I don't, I don't this is not to, to just make you feel bad, but, but here's what, how the Lord convicted me. You ready? Do a quick inventory of your time, of your time. How many hours do you spend at work? Oh, Ben, you know. Guys, listen, you don't understand. I'm preaching this from the, from the depth of my heart because I used to spend 10 to 12 to 14 hours at work. And, and, and my kids are little and I'm, I'm just watching. I'm just, I'm just offering them on the altar of work six days a week. I, I, how many hours do you spend at work? I just spend it great, super. So here's a question that the Lord asked me. How many hours do you spend watching TV? They're like, I don't watch TV. I know there's people that don't watch TV, but there's a lot of... You know what the average... The average American watches four to six hours a night. <laughs> Guys, we're not creating memories that way. Pastor Ben said I had to get rid of my TV that I could... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is create memories. Create memories. How much time do we spend on our phones? Guys, this is riches, money. It may come and go, but we never want to make becoming wealthy your God. That's, that's what he's saying. Okay? I heard this quote. I heard this quote this week. I thought it was pretty good. You can jot it down if you're fast enough. You will never be happy until you realize that Jesus is enough. You will never be happy until you realize Jesus is enough. I thought, wow, wow, that was amazingly convicting. Is Jesus enough? Of course he is, man. Of course, I love my Jesus. But, but do we behave that way? Is he enough? Is he enough? Number two. Give me the second principle, okay? The second principle for prosperity. Don't be afraid to work for others. Don't be afraid to work for others and try to increase their wealth before or as you work for yours. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Don't be afraid to make others wealthy. 
You go, what do you mean? Do your job. Right? Notice verse 27. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed you for my sake. What's Laban saying? He's selfish. Why? Because Laban said, I don't want you to go, Jacob. I don't want you to go. And he uses the word experience, but a better word, guys, circle it, is divination. Divination. You go, what does that mean? It means by supernatural means. Laban goes, man, there's something amazing. Supernaturally, you're being blessed, dude. And I'm being blessed because of you. Of course, I don't want you to go. You're my meal ticket. Seriously. Seriously. It really, guys, employers, I'm going to get in trouble, but employers need to realize their employees and not... Big corporations go after the almighty buck and they don't care who who's expendable, but they don't realize that these are the ones that make the almighty buck for them. And when you find a good job that takes care of their employees, man, above and beyond, those are the ones. Listen, there's a lot of us that like our job, but when we love our job. And, and again, what's, what's he saying? Think, think about this, guys. Think about this. See, see, Laban right here, he's not interested in relationship with God himself. Okay? He just says, man, you're getting blessed. You're getting blessed. He is selfish to keep getting rich by any means. I guess you could say that Laban was superstitious man, right? But he was also a clever man. You go, how was he a clever man? Guys, he actually uses Jacob's, he actually uses God's name to appeal to Jacob's spiritual side. Notice what he says. He said, please stay if I found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord, the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Little elbow grease there, little rub, rub, hey, you know? And I was thinking, wow. See, when Jacob worked for Laban, he made him wealthy. And a good principle for us, guys, prosperity principle is work for others and try to make them wealthy. Do a good job at work. Do a good job to increase productivity. You go, why? Here's why. Ready? Newsflash. Too many people today just do enough to not get fired. But that's not us, guys, as believers. Guys, that's not us. As If we want true riches and we obey the word of God, which says that we need to work, do what? Work at it with all of your heart as unto the Lord. Yeah, because I don't like my boss. My boss is a, is a, my boss. Listen, we're working for God. We're working for God. When you show up to work, you should work for God. And you want to make your boss, you want to make your company, you want to prosper them. This is what we're learning from the Bible, right? Now, keep this in mind. God is working behind the scenes in everything, is he not? Why? Because you might be at your job and you're thinking, man, I'm going to get a break. Nothing's, they're not even seeing who I am, but God's working behind the scenes. You go, how do, how do you know? Well, a couple of things, okay? Here it is. Think about Rachel, right? Because we would yell, Rachel, unfair, man. Poor Rachel. She didn't have any kids. Look at Leah's spitting them out. I mean, come on. That's unfair. But the problem is, guys, is we learned, we learned that it wasn't unfair because we realized that as Rachel gave birth to Benjamin, that's when she died. 
And so, and so the Lord's going, no, no, what you think is unfair, I'm working behind the scenes. I'm going to keep her barren so that she can have a longer life with Jacob. You go, wow. Let me give you another example. You guys know this. I know you know this because you've heard it. You know, what about that person, that, 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 that poor person that wins the lottery? The poor person that wins the lottery. Oh my gosh, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Every one of them, guys, they don't know how to handle money. They don't know how to manage money. And they end up getting divorced. And, and I mean, they end up, they even worse than before. And people go, unfair. Why do they get to win the lottery? How come I didn't? I've been playing the lottery. First of all, don't play the lottery, okay? But, but here's the thing. If you go, oh, man, I'm playing the lottery and I never get to win. Boy, I'm just, but God's working behind the scene because he looks at your life and he says, man, your spiritual walk, your walk, your, 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 your family is far more important than me or you getting a million bucks. Because lives are destroyed by money. You see, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is neutral, but see, people don't know how to handle it. and They don't know how to do this. And so, and so again, guys, what is, what is God's word saying? I'm saying he's working behind the scenes. And so what God tells us as believers, he says, man, when you work, make your boss look good. Well, he doesn't see it. No, God sees it. God sees it and he says, man, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Well, yeah, but I'm making all the money for him. It's okay. Our riches aren't always on earth. Our riches aren't always here. Guys, we work unto the Lord. Pastor, why do you preach... Why, why do you preach with such fervency and such passion when you, when you have just a handful? Because God sees. Because God sees. Guys, it's the same. Tell, man, get behind here. This is, this is holy ground. This is the anointing. This is where, I mean, listen, I've, I think there's enough of you here that I've got to give an account for. I mean, I think that's plenty. Uh, Ben? Did you teach feathers well? Lord, I tried. I mean, that's enough. You know, I, that's what I, I mean. You understand that. Whatever you do, we work, we work, we work hard. It goes on in verse 28. Then he said, name your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said, okay, here's the deal. You ready? You know that I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed me since my coming. And now... When shall I provide for my own house? You know what Jacob says? Jacob says, uh, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Amen. But I don't trust you. Why doesn't, why doesn't Jacob trust Laban? Because I, I worked for Rachel and I got Leah. That was a low blow. No offense to Leah. But he was double-crossed. And so now he's like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about wages. Hold on. Listen, listen I got to get this in writing. I got to get this in writing. Jacob says, thank you. But he says, but let's talk reality, sir. What's that? You know that the flocks have increased because of me. Now it's time for me to provide for my house. Let me give you the third principle of prosperity. Ready? Verse 31, work hard. Work hard. When I wrote this down, I thought of Joe, right? Because if you ask Joe how you doing, what did he say? Hard work, clean living. Work hard. Look at verse 31. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you don't give me anything, but do this for me. And I, again, will keep your flocks. 
Don't you just love it? See, Jacob wasn't lazy. He didn't want anything for free. He wasn't going, well, you know what? I've been out here a long time. I think maybe some, you know, some severance pay. Come on, dude. I mean, these are your daughters. Hello, dad. That's not what he's saying. He's going, listen, I'm going to work hard. We're, we are called to work hard, guys, because that's our DNA, because we honor God. We're called to work hard, not because somebody else is looking, but because we want to honor God, because somebody else is looking. And they're watching us and they say, man, you call yourself a Christian. Why are you working so hard? Christians should be the hardest working people. Christians should be the hardest working people we know because we want to honor simply because we love God. And so here's the thing. Jacob's like, look, I don't want anything for free, man. I don't want anything for free. In order to prosper, he goes, man, I got to work hard. I got to work hard. And he tells, he tells Laban, let me work for it and I will work hard. He says, just do this one thing, and I'll continue to tend and watch. Just do, just do this for me, and I'll, I'll work hard for you. Guys, you want to prosper? You want, to, you want the principle? Just work hard. Just work hard. Number four, verses 32 to 33. You ready? The fourth principle for prosperity, trust the living God. Trust the living God. Okay, look, he says, let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from what? All the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones that are among the lambs and all the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. For my righteousness will answer for me in, time, when, you know, in a time to come. And when the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and the brown ones will be considered stolen if it's with me. So he's going, listen, I'm going to take all the messed up, all the, hello, who's he talking about? It looks like he's talking about us, right? And all the speckled, all the brown ones, all the messed up ones. He goes, gives me these, okay? He says, that's going to be my wages, right? That's going to be my wages. And when you come before me, he goes, man, anyone that's not speckled or spotted, that means I stole it from you. Here's the fourth principle, guys. Trust God with your finances. Give him your heart and give him your wallet. That's what he's saying. He said, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Guys, true riches may not increase, may not be an increase in money. But you will get close to God in the process. Now, there's a, sto- there's, there's a story behind the principle, right? The principle number four. So let me continue with the story. There's a story behind this. Verse 34, and Laban said, oh, that it be according to your word. So he removed that day male goats that were speckled, spotted, and female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one of them and it, and the brown ones among the lambs, he gave them to the land in the hand of his sons. And he put him a three days journey between him and himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Are you kidding me? You know what he did? He said, hey, let me, listen, that's a good deal. And so he took all of the ones that was going to be his wages and he took them a three days journey and gave them to his sons. So Jacob is literally starting with nothing. Who are you going to trust when you have nothing? You see, the principle of prosperity is I've got to trust God. The Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen that. You're not going to go hungry. Trust God. Trust God. 
The problem, guys, when we get so discouraged is we think that we, we trust in God and in our minds we formulated a way that he has to work and when he doesn't work that specific way. You see, because maybe there's, I know there's a lot of folks that are, that are, and they're struggling with food. They're struggling with, with um, we're not making it and, and, and so forth. And they're hoping a check comes in the mail so that they can pay their bills, but they don't realize that, that there are people that are bringing them food and, and taking care of them that way. It's, it's just be careful how you say, this is how God's going to work. Sometimes we have to just go, God, I trust you. I trust you. Because what does Jacob do? Well, Jacob took for himself, guess what? He took for himself some green polar, uh, poplar and, and the almond and the chestnut trees. He peeled the white strips. Notice that, guys. I want you to underline that. He peeled the white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. You go, why is that important? Here's why. Because Laban's name and translated out means white. Interesting. White. And it's almost like Jacob, Jacob's going, look. The, enough of Laban, he's trying, to, he's trying to deceive me. Enough of the white, and he's, and he's, he's like, what does that have to do? But it's like the Lord is just speaking to us through, through the words. And the rods, notice that he peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, right, where the walks came to drink, and, and that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks through it brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and made flocks face towards the streaked and all the brown and all in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and he did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived, Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, okay, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them so the feeblers were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus, the man became exceedingly prosperous, there it is, and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. So he peels off these things, he puts them in the water, and instead of just having normal sheep, they have speckled, they have spotted. So some scholars go, oh, well, here, here's the problem. The problem is that Jacob was superstitious and he did this. No, God was doing this. God was doing this. God was prospering. Because why? Because he wasn't making wealth his God. Okay? He was what? He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to. He wasn't going, okay, I'm not going to increase Laban. He wasn't afraid to make his boss look good. And the third, he worked hard. And fourth, he trusted God. And God goes, boom, watch this. Watch this. This is exactly where we're at, guys. And now as we wind down, guys, get ready for communion. Here's the thing, okay? So, as we close, what are some things we can learn? Number one, don't make wealth. Don't, become, don't make becoming wealthy your God. You guys can come on up, yeah. Number two, don't be afraid to make others wealthy in your job. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Number three, work hard. And number four, trust God in all things. Now, as we come to communion, guys, as we come to the communion table, let us reflect on our true riches. You go, what's that? That's Jesus. 
Number one, you are extremely wealthy if you know God. Number two, true riches means sharing his goodness with others. Specifically now during Christmas. Number three, although we work hard, when it comes to spiritual things, we rely on his grace through our lives. Thank you, Lord. And number four, trust God in all things. As we come to the communion table, guys, take a moment to just reflect, to worship. Communion is open to anyone who is a believer in Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, you can be. You just need to open up your heart and invite Jesus inside. Repent of your sins and say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. Come into my heart. I confess my sins. I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And come in and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. As the worship team leads us in worship, guys, just take a moment to check your heart. Take a moment to just just give it to the Lord. And when you're ready, you just come up. Spend time in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the truth in your word, God. We love you so much. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.